remember when I was in eighth grade, the summer of eighth grade, my friend and I decided we were going to become professional clam diggers, right? So I lived on Long Island at the time. It was the North Shore of Long Island. And if you wanted to go clamming on the North Shore, you, it, South Shore is where you could go with your feet because it was shallow. North Shore, you're like in 30 or 40 feet of water. So you needed a, a lot of rake, telescoping poles and a, and a rake and a clam boat and whatnot. So that was our plan. And we were psyched. We got the boat, we fixed it up and and we spent a whole summer uh, clam digging and made some, some decent money. And, uh, you know, towards the end of the summer is when hurricane season starts coming. We got some storms to come through. And, and let's just say our anchor wasn't what it needed to be. And the boat sank. Yeah, that was not a good day. Um, but, you know, I, I learned the importance of, hey, it's not just what your anchor in is what your anchor looks like. It's what your anchor is seated in. So we're going to be talking today about not what is an anchor, but who is an anchor. And, you know, an anchor is something that, that, that we see in Scripture. It's used as a metaphor only once. And we'll look, we'll look in a minute into where it's used. But where it's used, I, it, it's told us that an anchor is what gives us steadfastness. It keeps us steadfast and it gives us hope through the trials and storms of life. Amen? But I, I want to just start by saying this, that sometimes we'll confuse optimism versus biblical hope. Right, so, so I can think, you know what, if I just have, if I'm just got a positive outlook and, and there's a power in positive thinking and I want to be optimistic, that that's, that's my hope. And you know what, that's not biblical hope. That's what the world might call it. But biblical hope is optimistic, but it differs greatly from worldly optimism. And this is why. Biblical hope is based on certainty and it's based on truth. It's not based on me just trying to have a cheery disposition or, or looking on the bright side or, or trying to have goodwill towards my fellow man. To, to be biblical hope, it's, it's hope that's based on truth and certainty in what Romans 15, 13 will tell us, that God is the God of hope, right? So, so it starts with who God is. It doesn't start with me. It doesn't start with my ability to, to kind of drum it up. It starts, hope starts with who God is. And we as believers, we represent our Heavenly Father. We are called His ambassadors. We represent Him to a hopeless world, and God has called us to be people of hope, Amen. So we're not just mere optimists. We're not just mere positive thinkers. We're filled with hope because of the certainty of God's promises. So let's take a minute and let's look at Hebrews 6 where it talks about this anchor of our soul. And before I read the scripture, I just want to give you a little background. The, the author of Hebrews is writing to a people that are facing hardship. They're facing persecution because of their Christian faith. They were tempted to abandon Christ and, and in some, some uh, cases return to Judaism. But, but the author's urging them, persevere. And now here's how I want you to persevere. Focus on Jesus and on his salvation that he's provided. And, and he's instilling biblical hope, not just the positive cheerfulness, but a steady attitude of joy that's based on the promises of God. So this is what we find in Hebrews 6, 18 to 20. It says, so God has given both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it's impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. Jesus has gone in there before us. So what, what can we take out of this picture as we see and as we read these couple of verses? It starts first with, okay, when we're in a place that we don't understand what's going on, the instruction is clear. We can flee 
right? And I love that word flee because I'm a runner. I, I like the idea of running and running fast, but we're running fast to God for what? For refuge, that God is the place that we go. I could run to you, but you're not going to be as good as me running to God, right? So I, I need to go to the Lord. Secondly, we see that we can have great confidence as we hope, as we hold to the hope that lies before us. Great confidence. And that hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor that doesn't go down into the ocean, right? You don't see the ocean mentioned here. Where does that hope, where does the anchor go? It goes behind the veil to, the, to God's inner sanctuary where Jesus has already gone before us. So, so I believe in a sense that anchor is anchored up in heaven. It's anchored in who God is. And if we look in the Old Testament, we see that the, the temple had three different parts. And this, this was a type of who God is. There was the outer, outer court, there was the inner court, and then there was the Holy of Holies. But God's presence was only in one of those chambers. It was the Holy of Holies that God's presence dwelled. That's where the Ark of the Covenant was. And there was a separation between the holy place and the holiest of holies. And it was this curtain that the temple, we're told, was about 20 or 30 feet by 30 feet. So that the curtain was 30 feet high and 30 feet wide, separating the holy, holy place from the Holy of Holies. And when Jesus died on the cross, this is what, what Mark 15 says, is Jesus cried out his last breath, the curtain in the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. No, no man could have gone out 30 feet and just tried to like tear the whole thing. It's like you, you and I trying to just tear a telephone book, right? But a telephone book is only this wide. Imagine it's 30 feet tall and you're going to try to tear that. No man could do that. But this was what Jesus was showing us when that happened, that where only the high priest could go into God's presence by Jesus dying on the cross, that was the victory. We could all enter into God's presence. God could come and he could have a relationship with us because of the blood of Jesus. John 1.14 will say this, the word was made flesh and dwelt among, dwelt among us. And it goes on to say that word was Jesus. So the word of God is secure, it's steadfast. The word of God is immovable. And Jesus is the word of God. He's our anchor right? So as, as Christians, we, we can securely hold on to him in the midst of every storm. But as sure as I'm standing here and you're sitting there, have you ever been in a position where like you're looking at a situation and you're like, God, I don't understand. It doesn't make sense to me. God, where are you? Have you ever found yourself like that? I know I have, right? And, and I want to just talk for a minute about our perspective versus God's perspective with just these two little cartoons here. So if we remember back to Friday, when the disciples, we call it Good Friday. I think it was Friday the 13th for them. I have no idea what their calendar was, but it was the worst day of their lives to see their rabbi crucified. Do you think they understood what was going on? Even though prophecies had foretold this, Jesus had tried to talk to them, they were devastated. They had no idea what was going on. It's like they were looking and thinking, he's going to be king. It's an M. And God's like, no, this is a W. It's not an M. Or, or they'd be saying, God, it's three. No, no, it's four. Like, whatever they saw, God saw it differently than, than how they saw it. And they were devastated by what was going on. But you see, who's the God that we trust? He's the God that sees the end from the beginning. His purposes will stand, and he's always going to do what he pleases. But it's not always what we think is going to happen that's going to happen, and, or in the time frame. So, so let me give you an example of this. My daughter Hannah was going off to college a number of years ago. This is the same daughter daughter, her and my son Dan and myself were running a marathon in one week. One week, people. I'm going to be running 26 miles, 26.2. But Hannah's going off to college a number of years ago, and, 
And for her, the, the deal was this. She either needed to let her roommates be picked randomly by the school, or she goes on to like this school portal. It's kind of like a Facebook page and, and meets people, and you pick, your you, you pick your roommates through that portal. So like, how well can you really get to know people through a portal? She wasn't sure she wanted to do that, so she decided, I'm going to go random. I'm just going to let the school pick. But for freshman girls, they had so many, each girl room was going to be a triple. So it's, you know, she's got to find two, not just one. Um, so as time goes on, and the roommate selection goes on, she sees all these people hooking up, and she starts to get nervous about the going random, right? So, you know, early on, these two girls that knew one another had, had approached her through the, the portal and said, hey, would you like to be our roommate? And she was like, oh, I'm not really sure. I'm deciding what I'm going to do. And so she decided she's going to go back to those two girls and say, hey, I'd like to be a roommate if that offer's still there, which they hadn't found a roommate, so why wouldn't it be, right? So she's at a movie with my son. It's, it's a uh, you know, they, they get out of the movie, she sees the email, and these two girls have said, yeah, you know what, we, we changed our mind, and we're just going to have the third roommate be random. We're, we're not going to choose you anymore. And, and my daughter was just crushed. She was devastated. And by the, it's a 10-minute drive from the movie theater back to our house, and, and she comes in, and she's crying. And thankfully, my son had texted us on the way home, like, Hannah's coming in, she's a basket case, get ready, you know? So, so Hannah comes in, and if you've been at my house, we got a little island, and she's on one side of the island, and she's upset. She's like, Dad, how could God let this happen? Like, I had prayed, and I had asked God, and I felt like God said these were the ones, and now it's, it's just disaster, and she's just, she's torn apart. Like, where is God in her time of need? So what do you do as a dad? What, what do you do as a parent in a situation like that where, where your daughter is distraught? And, you know, I, I can't say that I do everything right as a dad, but I, I, I do trust the Spirit of God within me, and I try to say the right thing at the right time. Sometimes I put my foot in my mouth, Sometimes I don't, right? But at this moment, there was something that rose up on the inside of me. And, and she's upset, and she's kind of getting loud and in my face. And I'm like, okay, Hannah, whoa, 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 whoa. You're freaking out right now. I, I need to ask you a few questions. Just calm down and let me ask you these questions. And, and now I start to come back at her. And this is what I start to ask her as, as, she's, uh, as she's in this upset stage. I'm like, Hannah, so tell me. Is the God you believe in the same one that created the heavens and the earth? Is, is he the same one that created the moon and the stars and he knows everything? Because if that's the God you believe in, I don't think he's surprised by this. You might be surprised, but I really don't think he's surprised. In fact, the Bible that I know and the Bible I read says that he bought you with a high price. He went to the cross and paid the price for your salvation. And it says that your life is not your own. You've been bought with a price. So, so which one is it, Hannah? Is your life your own because it looks like you're trying to make your own decisions? Or is it God that's actually bought, bought you and paid a high price? So who's in control? Is he in control or is you in control? I remember the day when you gave your life to Jesus Christ and you said, Father, forgive me of my sins. I want you to be my Lord and Savior. But is that still your, is that still your request to Jesus today? Is he still the Lord of your life? Because it looks like you're trusting in yourself right now. You're devastated. But can you not see that God's ways are beyond your ways and, and he will work this out? So, so like we went through it and I'm like, Hannah, this is what God's word says. It says his burden is easy. His yoke is light. When you got to care, you cast it on him because he cares for you and he's going to give you the peace that passes understanding. So she's just listening to me kind of shell-shocked, and I'm, I'm speaking like I'm speaking to you now. I'm not yelling at her, but I got a lot of emotion, a lot of passion. 
And I'm like, you know what, Hannah, I'm just going to suggest you go up to your room and, and you have a time of prayer. Like, just go get a hold of God. I think you need to tell God, God, this is yours. Because if you try to hold on to it, it's going to crush you. God didn't intend for you to carry this burden. So Hannah goes up to her room. And I'm going to share the rest of the story a little bit later. So I'm going to leave you hanging for a bit. Because there's something about perspective that I want us all to catch before I finish the story. Right? Hannah at that moment... She felt like she understood what needed to go down. She wanted these roommates, and they just told her no, and she was crushed and devastated, because why? She prayed about it, and she felt like God said to do it, and now it's, it's not working out the way she thought. Okay, are there times where God comes to us, and, and He's got a plan that's different from our plan? Like, if we say there aren't, we're, we're kidding ourselves, but I don't have to just tell you the way it works. I can show you in Scripture the way it works. And that scripture is this, it's Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. And it says, My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. And my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. So, so don't we, when we find ourselves in situations we don't understand, don't we want God to do it the way we want him to do it? But that's our thinking. You understand that? That's our thinking. But God's, how's God thinking? He's thinking differently than we are thinking, all right? He's up here and we're down here. Like, he's got a plan. He's got a thought in mind. It's, it's far beyond what we could think. In fact, it says that his ways are unimaginable to us, right? They're, they're beyond anything we could imagine. So maybe we could say, all right, this needs to happen. This needs to happen. This needs to happen. And, and we got it all planned out. And God comes in with this crazy plan that's nothing like we could ever imagine. That's what it says. That's what the Word of God has to say. But just as the heavens are higher than the earth and His ways are higher than our ways and His thoughts higher than our thoughts. But it doesn't stop there, right? It, it goes on to talk about the rain and the snow come down from heaven and stay on the ground to water the earth. And they cause the grain to grow, producing seed for the farmer and bread for the hungry. And it's the same with His Word. He sends it out and it always, always, always produces fruit. It will accomplish all that he wants it to, and it will prosper everywhere he sends it. And then he says, you will live in joy and peace, right? So if we trust in this God that made the heavens and the earth, that it's our creator and our savior, if we trust in him, just as rain and snow come down from heaven, and we're thankful that it rained this weekend and not that it snowed, right? Um, Snowed in Buffalo. Dan sent me a picture like I'm coming home. And I said, Dan, you better get out and run. I don't care if it's cold. And he's like, I only pack shorts. I'm like, guess you're going to be cold, you know. Um, but the rain and snow, they come down from heaven and they stay on the ground. We understand how rain comes down to water the earth. And what does it do? It causes the plants to grow. The same way that happens, it's, it's with God's word. He sends it out and it always produces fruit. The word of God is an anchor for us. It's immovable. But do we, do we trust it? Right? It will accomplish what he said it to do. It'll prosper everywhere he sent it. And it says, you will live in joy and peace. All right, was Hannah feeling joy and peace that night? Absolutely not. Next day, was she feeling joy and peace? Uh, maybe a little. She was feeling a little more at peace, but still very nervous. God, what do you want me to do? So she asked me, Dad, what do you think I should do? And I'm like, Hannah, I can't tell you whether to go random or to pick roommates. I'm going to leave that between you and God. But you get a hold of God, and you just do whatever he says, and then you trust him. That's, that's how it works. So she, there were some other girls that were, you know, two looking for a third roommate, and she, she found them and talked to them and decided, I'm, I'm going to just pick them. So she picked them. 
And now we're going, we're moving her down, freshman, freshman uh, move-in day. And we meet these two girls and like their bedding matches and they got the same kind of pictures and like all this stuff. Like if you've ever moved a girl in or a boy into college, like boys are so much easier. You need a pillow and, and uh, you know, and, and a suitcase and that's it. There's nothing more. But, but girls, they got the decorations and they got the pictures. And so we get it all set up. And now we want to change it. We change it all. We change it a third way. And then we go back to the original way. Like we're in the room all day long, bunking beds, unbunking beds and everything else. But she, she starts to get to know these girls and she's absolutely in love with them. They are her best friends today. This is five years later now. She roomed with one of the girls her entire college career. And like these girls were God's pick for her. But it gets better than that. The, the two girls that said no to her, out of all the freshman dorms, they're on not just in her dorm, they're on her floor. And they're a couple of doors down. So she, she realizes that like very shortly, she's walking down the hallway, she sees their names and she's like, oh my gosh, those are the girls. So it's awkward and you know, she tries to be nice and, and pretend nothing happened, even though you know something happened. But you know, as the, as the first semester went by, she's like, oh my gosh, like God was saving me from, from rooming with these girls. They were not the right choice for me. The, the one that God had for me was so much better. But see, she couldn't see that when she was coming home from the movie theater that night. She, she didn't realize that God sometimes has got our back in such a great way that it may look devastating to us, but it's part of what his plan is. It's part of his intention for us. So what does God's plan look for us? What does God's hope look for us? This is what we find in Jeremiah. It says, I know the plans for you in verse 11, says the Lord. They're plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. You know, and I love the fact that God knows the plans for you and for me, right? That's part of Shiloh's vision, that we would know God, we would find freedom, we discover our purpose, discover his plan, and then we go on to make a difference. But see, there's one problem when I just read this verse in isolation. I need to understand what is happening. Why is Jeremiah writing this? Who is he writing it to? And, and here's the truth as you look into the background. Jeremiah is in Jerusalem, and he's writing to Jews that have been exiled. They've been taken out of Jerusalem and stolen away to Babylon by King Nebuchadnezzar. And, and they're in exile. They're not in a good place. And, and Jeremiah is writing to them. But this is what he says in verse 10, the verse right before this. It says, you will be in Babylon for 70 years. But then I will come and do for you all the good things I promised. And I will bring you home again. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. See, sometimes we want to just believe God's got a great plan for me and it's going to happen tomorrow. Today would be better, but God, I'm patient. I'll wait till tomorrow. And, and God is telling these Jews that are in exile, hey guys, I got a plan for you, but it's going to be 70 years for me to work out all the stuff that's got to happen for this plan to come forward just the way I want it. But it's going to be amazing when it happens. Question is, can you wait? Can you trust him? Or do we have to take control of our own life and say, no, it's got to be my way and I've got to do the things that I think I need to do? No, can we, can we wait for God? Because he goes on to say in verse 12, in those days when you pray, I will listen. I will, if you look for me wholeheartedly, you'll find me. Just think about that. If we look wholeheartedly for God, we'll find him. We'll find the freedom that we want after we know him and then we discover our purpose and make a difference. God is there for us. So, when we look at God having plans for us, there's another scripture I see that talks about the plans God has for us. It's Psalm 37. And it says in 23 through 25 that the Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. 
Though they stumble, they'll never fall, for the Lord holds them by the hand. Once I was young and now I'm old, yet I've never seen the godly abandoned or their children begging for bread. God delights in every detail of our lives. Isn't that amazing? But, but there's a qualifier here. It says the Lord directs the steps of the who? Of the godly. So, so here's my question. We talked last, last Sunday on Easter Sunday. Are you all in in your relationship with God? Are you still trying to figure out is God for me, is God not for me? Because when you say, I believe in Jesus, it's a commitment that takes your entire life. You remember that guy on the tightrope wire and, and, and his manager climbed on piggyback with him? If you haven't given your life to Jesus, you're not part of the godly. You're still trying to determine if you want to be or you don't want to be. But this promise, it says, the Lord directs the steps of the godly. And he delights in every detail. And, and I love the next verse because sometimes this next verse, it represents me. Right? There's times I think I understand. I'm a prayerful person. I'm in the Word every day. And you know what? I start to think I know better. And boom, I start to stumble. And I fall. Because I'm human. And I, and I let people down. And it says, though we stumble, we'll never fall. For the Lord holds them by the hand. There, there's times I feel like... <gasps> I lost my grip, but God, he had me the whole time. I thought I might have lost my grip, but he's the one that was holding on. And that's his promise to you. And then, then we get to verse 25. Once I was young and now I'm old. So, so Meg and I have this saying between the two of us. We've said it from the day we were married. You know what? We just want to grow old together. And, and the other day Meg said that to me, and this is my reply. Newsflash. I think we made it, you know? <laughs> but I'm not that young anymore. I don't think of myself as old. I'm running a marathon, right? That's pretty good. I'm still pretty young. No, not really. I'm just in good shape. But, but once I was young and now I'm old, but I've never seen the godly abandon of their children begging for bread. And, and you know what? That's my testimony, and maybe that's your testimony too. You've seen God work in your life. I can remember as a young boy in high school when my dad left on a summer day when I was 17. He never came home because he died of a heart attack at work. I was devastated. Like, how could that happen? God, this isn't the plan that I would have thought was the right plan. Like, he was my rock. He was going to teach me how to drive. Am I going to be able to afford college? All of a sudden, when, like, when tragedy happens, don't you just make it personal sometimes? It's, it's not about what happened. It's about how is it going to affect you. And I'm thinking about all the dark ways it's going to affect me. But, you know, this is what I came to learn in that situation. God spoke his word to me in Psalms that he's a father to the fatherless. And I said, all right, God, if you're going to be my father, then it's like I talk to my dad a lot. You better be talking to me, God. You better be giving me wisdom because I don't know what I'm going to do. And you know what? He came in such a great way to be my anchor. Like my anchor wasn't in who I was. My anchor is in who he is. And, and here I am today. Like I thought I was going to be a mess growing up. I turned out okay, you know, despite all that. But, but that's where we can go to God's word and we can see in God's word, okay, this is what it says. I don't have to believe anything else. I don't have to be rocked by the storms because my anchor is tied to the one that's trustworthy. My anchor is tied to, to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So now Jesus also spoke about storms. And as the last verse we want to look to today, I want to go to Matthew 7, 24 to 27. And it says this, Jesus is talking. It says, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. He's like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rive and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish. 
like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and the floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. So if I offered you a choice this morning, would you rather be the wise man or the foolish man? Is it much of a choice? I mean, really? No, it's not. Like, of course, we want our house to stand through the storms of life. We don't want it to crash. We want to be the wise man. All right, so let me ask you the next question. Who heard the teaching of the Lord? The wise man or the foolish man? They both heard the teaching of the Lord. When you look at it, right, they both heard the teaching of the Lord. I would have answered wise man like someone called out. I don't know who it was. Because, oh, the wise man heard it. No, the wise man heard it and the foolish man. They both heard the teaching of the Lord. So what was the difference? Look carefully. What's the difference? The difference is one listened and obeyed. He followed God's word and the other didn't. So like it comes down, do you want to be wise or foolish? It's not a matter of are you listening. They're both listening. It's one followed and obeyed what God had to say and one didn't follow and obey. So that's a choice that's on us, right? Are, are we going to say, God, I'm, I'm listening and I'm obeying or I'm listening and I'm just going to go my own way because I think I know better. I'm going to be in control right now. God, God, you're not answering the prayer like I thought you're going to answer it and I'm upset. Where are you, God? I'm going to make my own decision. That's what Hannah could have done. But you know what? Thankfully, she put it back into God's hands and said, God, you show me the way. You show me what I need to do. So who do we want to be? We want to be that wise man who listens to God and and who obeys. So let's talk about a couple of takeaways now. Uh, We will in a minute. Pam, can you advance it? My clicker's not working. One more slide. All right, so first takeaway, our hope comes from the Lord. Our anchor is in Jesus, and Jesus is the Word of God. So if you, if you are going through any storm today, you need to look into God's Word as your anchor, right? You could look to people as your anchor. You could look to things as your anchor, but that's never going to be the trustworthy, stable, steadfast, immovable anchor that you're looking for it to be. It, it will shift with time. It's only Jesus, and it's only the Word of God that's going to be our anchor. Amen? Secondly, God's perspective is different from ours. Don't, don't be looking and saying it's an M and he's calling it a W. Like you're, His ways are higher than your ways. His thoughts are higher than your thoughts. That's just the way it is. But, but you can trust in a God that sees the end from the beginning. Isn't that amazing, right? That you don't have to have it all figured out. You can trust in him. But just recognize his perspective is going to be different than your perspective. You only see the here and now. But it doesn't say live by sight, does it? It says live by faith for a reason because we try to look at what's in front of us and we want to live by sight. No, live by faith. Go to God. His perspective is different. And know that he has a plan and a future and a hope for us. He's got a plan, a future, and a hope. It may not look hopeful right now. It may not look like there's much of a future. You may not think the plan is coming together like you hoped it was going to come together. But God has that plan. He's got that future. He's got that hope. It's just one little catch. You want it today or tomorrow, and he wants it in his time, and there's nothing you're going to do to speed him up. God's never in a rush. You know, someone mentioned to me the other day, and I never realized this before, when you look all through Scripture, Jesus was never running. Wherever he went, he walked, right? When, when people would come and say, Jesus, I need you to come to my house. Yeah, yeah, I'll get there. You know, Lazarus, he's, he's not rushing over to Lazarus before he dies. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to delay a couple days and, and we're just going to let this deal go because there's a reason. Jesus is never in a rush. He, ne- he never runs. He, he's never like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? I get... No, he had all these balls up in the air, but he just dealt with them one at a time and he was never running. 
And, and you know what? Our God is immovable. He's unshakable, but he does it in his time frame. It's not in our time frame. We need to recognize that. And then we have a choice. Are we going to be foolish or are we going to be wise? Right? Are you going to listen to God's word and are you going to obey it? Or are you going to listen to God's word and go do what seems right to you? Because that's the difference between your house standing or your house crashing down, right? That's, that's what we see in the word of God. So I, I love the psalmist and, and how David takes, takes these thoughts and just makes them practical for us. So there was a time in, in King David's life where he had stumbled miserably, right? And, and we can see that in the Psalms and, and, and we know from the word of God that, that David like was an adulterer. And, and then David went and, and when he couldn't hide his adultery, he, he had the man killed that was the wife of his mistress or the husband of his mistress. And, and then he, he invites his mistress to become his wife. She has the baby and, and God brings a prophet to him to tell him this baby's gonna die. And, and this is David's response through this whole time. He says this in Psalm 51 verse 10. Created me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. Right? See, David recognized that, okay, we're going to have times where we stumble, but God is holding on to us. He is our anchor. Even when we're stumbling, he's not going to let you go if you've put your trust in him. If you've given your life to him, he won't let you go. And he didn't let David go. And, it, and David goes on to say, you don't desire a sacrifice or I would offer one. You don't even want a burnt offering. Now, this is the God of the Old Testament. And only, all they did was burnt offerings back then. And David recognized that's not what you want, God. The sacrifice you desire, it's a broken spirit. And you'll not reject a broken and a repentant heart. You know, if, if you found yourself, you're stumbling right now. Jesus is there for us. But he wants us to come with a broken and contrite heart. He wants us to repent before him. We, we shared last Sunday that how you come to Jesus the first time is the same way you come back. You, you come and you say, Lord, I look to the cross. I know you've forgiven me and I receive that forgiveness and I make you the Lord of my life. That's, that's how we come to Jesus. That's how we come back no matter where we are. Would you stand with me as we pray? So I want to ask you as we close, do you want to be wise or foolish today? Because we're all hearing the word of God. Now the choice is ours. Are we going to listen and obey or are we going to listen and go our own way? And, and I can't tell you what is your way versus what God's way. You're going to have to hear that on your own. But I can tell you that the word of God will give you the principles to live by. And, and we can choose that Jeremiah 29, 11, where it says, these are the plans I have for you. But you know, if you don't read 10 and you don't read 12 and 13, you're missing what it's saying. So, so don't just cherry pick your one scripture and say, this is my scripture. Like, look at the, the Bible. Let the Bible interpret itself. Look at the context of the whole Bible, amen? So, so let's close our eyes. And, and Father, we come to you, and Lord, we, we don't want to be the foolish man in the, in the gospel, Lord, that, that heard your word and, and then disobeyed. Father, we want to be the godly person that puts our trust in you, and, and you set the plans, God. You, you order our steps, and, and God, you're the one that directs where we go. So, so Father, we say today, we're all in, God. Lord, if there's any of us that have, have walked away from you, God, today is the day we come back to you. We look to the cross and we say, God, we, we receive your forgiveness all over again. We repent of our sins. And Lord, we make you the Lord of our lives, that we'd be all in, Father, that we would not only listen, we would obey. And God, you would plan out our steps. And, and Lord, for the situations that we don't understand, we give them to you. God, you're the one that's on the throne. 
You're the unchangeable one. God, we, we, we're not in a position to understand some things. God, we know your ways and thoughts are higher than our ways and thoughts. So God, we trust you. Lord, your word is clear. Cast our cares upon you because you care for us. So Lord, as we do that, we pray for the peace of God that passes all understanding. The hope of Jesus Christ would come, Lord, now to our souls and to our hearts. And I speak peace and I speak hope now in the name of Jesus, Lord. You are the anchor. You are the steadfast, immovable anchor in our lives, Lord Jesus. And we give you all praise and all glory this morning. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. If you need prayer for anything, please feel free to come forward. We'd love to pray with you. Otherwise, have a great Sunday. God bless.